0: My move to do law school, like I shielded myself from a lot of the downside risks, but it's a little bit of a financial gambit. There's no family or secret power out there coming to save Jeremy if Jeremy messes up. And my worry was that if I did poorly in law school, I am in danger personally, financially, but also like have ruined my husband's life because I'd also brought him out to Chicago. And damaging myself is one thing, but damaging others is sort of different. And so I felt like I needed to do well. It wasn't really a negotiable question. I had to do well in 1L. The fear was that like, if things went wrong, potentially really wrong. Yeah. Uh, cataclysmic, which was a, a nice motivator.
1: listening to The Leap. I'm Rob Weiss, and this is a show about law students and how we all got here, the weird, winding, and unique journeys we took to law school and beyond. I hope you enjoy today's episode. My guest today is Jeremy Wright. Jeremy, thanks for joining
0: the podcast. Great to be on here. Haven't done a podcast in a long while, and by a long while, I mean Never. So happy to chat. (laughs) Great. You and I met
1: here in Chicago, and you lived in New York City before that. But you grew up in a very different part of the country in the Pacific Northwest. Specifically, you grew up in the town of Port Angeles in Washington State. I've heard you talk a lot about it. And I've seen some pictures. What was it like growing up there?
0: So Port Angeles is really, 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 really pretty. And I didn't respect that fully when I was growing up there because I thought most places looked like that. It's covered in trees. There's a lot of mountains. There's a lot of ocean. It wasn't necessarily the best place for me to grow up, but it was... A beautiful place.
1: I also understand that it has a connection to the Twilight series.
0: If you are a big fan of Twilight, you will know this lore. I am not a big fan. I was just told this later. But the first date between Bella and Edward takes place in Port Angeles. I actually was a prep chef at the restaurant that they have their first date in in the books long before the books ever came
1: out. (laughs) What were you like as a kid growing up there? Because I know you're somebody who has a lot of academic confidence. You speak up in class. You do well in classes. Was that who you were as a kid?
0: I was a really weird kid. I was super hyper-energetic, like very ADHD. Still am today, but like more managed. But when I was a kid, I had a terrible habit because I was too hyperactive. If the teacher asked a question— I would blurt out the answer as I raised my hand, which is insane. And don't, that shouldn't tell you about my behavior in law school. There might be some similarities. Some refinements since then. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a really good amount of refinement. But but I was also, I sang constantly in class, which was annoying quality to my um, classmates. So sometimes I'd go outside and sing. I was very effeminate in elementary school, which uh, has... Not I don't know if that's changed. That's just maybe who I am. But I was particularly bouncy when I was a kid, and that was not beloved in Port Angeles. I'm a little bit I don't know. I was in the '90s. '90s country town was not the best place to be for a kid like that.
1: What was your social situation like? Did you did you feel like you fit in?
0: Elementary school was awful, and I did not fit in at all in elementary school, and felt not. Always safe and definitely not often happy. Things got better as I got older. Also, sort of like, I think culture was changing even in a little town like PA. I had a lot of friends by high school, but yeah, it was not the same as a kid. And I think that I really didn't like school as a kid, except for I really liked the learning part. So like school work because it kind of like kept me away from stuff even though I didn't really like the work aspect of it. I was pretty lazy. I never did my math homework.
1: I think for for a lot of us growing up often you know whether we loved our hometowns or not or or felt like we fit in or didn't often felt like we wanted to get out and and do something else. Is it was that something that you felt growing up and if so I guess where did you have the confidence because ultimately you did leave. You you went to New York for college and, and obviously you're here in Chicago for law school coming from such a small town, where did you get that confidence to to be able to do that? And and were, were there people in your life who, who helped you understand that that was somebody that, that you could be?
0: So I wasn't originally planning to leave Washington after high school. I didn't really know what I was going to do at first. But I had some major personal life events in high school that made me sort of reassess that position. Um, not necessarily going to go into all of them, but sure. a few important things that were sort of like positive arguments were, one, I was, our little hometown happened to have a really good music program across the board. So like the orchestra was really good. The uh, band was really good. And the choir was really good. Generally performing arts in the area was like one of the few things that the whole community invested in. Like Maybe it was a little bit partly because the sports were not very good. So like <laughs> you have to have something and the and like they still went on to the football games, but they weren't watching a winning team. So the town was like, I don't know, The singers will win and because of that they invested a lot in the music programs and both our orchestra and our choir went once every like four years for both of them to New York I was in both the orchestra and the choir, so I ended up going to New York twice while I was in high school. First time when I was, when I was playing the cello, we played at Carnegie Hall, which is such a like fun. That's activity. pretty cool. Yeah, we played Dvorak's Ninth, the New World Symphony. Took a lot of preparation, so that was sophomore year of high school, and then senior year of high school, the choir also went to.
1: Hold, hold on a second. Did people realize in your in high school how big a deal that is? Because that. Oh is, yeah, I mean... no, that
0: was like the community was always like. And the orchestra is now going to Carnegie Hall. Did you know that? Did um, you get it as kids, though? Because I don't think I would have appreciated it at the time. Oh, Maybe I, think, I Well, there was a long family lore aspect where, like, one of our great... Or, or, like, the great-grandfather one of our side was, like, a concert pianist who played in Carnegie Hall. And it was, like, cool. pride in the family. He also left his wife and left the family left all the kids behind. But that <laughs> was <to> disgustless. <laughs> mixed legacy. The fact that he mixed played legacy. in Carnegie Hall. So, yeah, I, there was, like, a, oh, my God, you're playing in Carnegie Hall cool. moment to that. Huh. And then... Senior year, the choir we sang in St. Patrick's Cathedral, which was fun. So, I got to see New York twice, and I, from the moment I saw New York the first time, I was like, "Oh, I love the energy here, and it's so different from where I'm from." And like, these, I always felt a little too like fast-paced and quick, maybe a little cutting at times, um, in my little hometown where everyone pretends to be nice. But I, I liked the like energy of New York when I saw it, and then I happened to have a voice teacher back in my hometown who would come out to Washington, where I was living, and teach voice lessons to, like, the community only during the summers. Uh, And mostly because she was helping her mom, who was not healthy, I think. But for the rest of the year, she was in New York performing and being an adjunct faculty member at a university in New York. And I really had no plans to go outside of Washington at first because I didn't really even know how I would go about doing it. there. And honestly, like... I was the one who was paying for college applications with very little money. So she basically told me to apply to this school, Delphine University, small little Long Island school, had no idea what it was. She was like, you apply to my school, send a tape in, not only will you get in, but you're going to get a big scholarship. And I was like, okay. And I was a little country boy I was like, I don't know. And then they applied and they gave me a big scholarship that I was not expecting. And I decided, well, I could stay in Washington or I could go away and like, put all of this stuff that had been going on behind me really far. And I chose that option and ended up going to Adelphi sight unseen. So like, first time I saw Adelphi was me rolling up with a suitcase for orientation with classes starting like a week and a half more.
1: I know you had a strong relationship with your grandmother too.
0: Yeah. So there was a period where my grandmother was honestly the only person in my entire family I was talking to for a while. And... I was just alone in New York, had no connections, didn't really have anything to my name either. Admission to Adelphi and the ability to take out um, loans through our federal system, yay. And so it was really helpful that I was close with my grandmother still, who would every week call and check in on me to be sure that her um, grandchild that had basically run away was not completely destitute.
1: What was she like that you guys had such a strong bond?
0: (sighs) She was very cutting. She was someone who said exactly what she actually thought. Most of the family didn't like her all that much but pretended to because she was the only person in the family that was smart enough or responsible enough to save a reasonable amount of money. They all were making the same as her. She just was the only person who could put things together. And so they she was very everyone was very reliant on her but mm. quietly hated her and I was the only one who like saw her for what she was, which yeah. was a, a very smart, sometimes too cutting and a little bit cold but also honest and and cared for those who she needed to care for that needed help yeah. she was there
1: so you pick up and move 3000 miles to start at delphi what did that feel like to you was it was it liberating was it terrifying
0: i think my naivete sort of protected me a bit i was a little terrified i mean I was just so so like lost in like not knowing the urban city world. I didn't like I didn't even know the suburban world. And to that point, I did not know that Long Island was a suburb of New York City. I thought it was in New York City. So when I arrived for orientation with my bag, whereupon I got into the LIRR and there's like a puddle of pink vomit from someone who was eating like a strawberry daiquiri or something. I'd like. This
1: is the regional rail, though. Like, this is the regional rail to get out to yeah. Long
0: Island. Yeah. So like I'm like. Hopping over with my suitcase because I'm like an idiot who doesn't realize you could just go to a different door But I get on it to go to what I thought was New York City And then I realize as it starts moving that I'm moving away from New York City because I didn't realize that Long Island's Further east from there not closer to the city. I had no idea when I first Moved into Long Island was starting to get used to it actually like within the first three weeks I had started to think that I made a lot of this is the dumbest thing I had thought I had started to make a lot of friends in Long Island because as I was walking to school every day, I kept hearing more and more honking near me. And but in my hometown, I think the only times anyone ever was ever honking was to say hi to someone they knew sure. on the street. And so I kept waving at cars. And then very quickly, I was like, "That's too many. That's too many honks. I, I'm not. Po- it's not possible that that many people like me yet. I don't even think I've met that many people." And then suddenly, I was like, "I've been waving at cars for weeks."
1: It was just cars honking because yeah, it's traffic. Cars honking because it's, it's, it's
0: New York and they honk at everything yeah. in New York. <laughs> and they are just angry. Probably they thought I was an insane man <laughs> as I walked in front of them, being like, hey, friend, and slowing down in the street. <laughs> and really, they're just like, get out of my way. Which, you know, I've gained the get out of my way myself over the sure. years. But yeah, little country boy. Not the same boy anymore.
1: And <laughs> so you studied music, music, composition, performance? Yeah,
0: I did voice and composition, music generally. So I was doing a lot of singing, a mostly operatic repertoire, some Broadway rep, and I did classical composition. My specialty was microforms, which is a fancy way of saying that I'm too ADHD in everything I do. So like, I can write nice melodies, but can I do it for 15 minutes? No. So you're going to get hmm. a, a series of ensemble pieces where everything's like 10, three minute pieces.
1: At this point, did you have any idea, even in the back of your mind, that law school might be an option? Or are you thinking, okay, I've made this big transition. I'm going to be a music performer, a composer in New York.
0: So, at this point, I was not thinking at all about law. There was an always kind of an option for law. When I was in high school, at the very beginning of it, I did a lot of debate. I ended up being the captain of the debate team. That had started to sort of fade away by the end of high school, though. And during college, I'd really not thought about it. Music felt like the thing that, had, like, saved me. And it... In many, many, many ways. Like, yeah. emotionally, like like, geographically. Like, it was the thing that got me out. And that was... In my naivete, I was like, yeah, no, of course I'm going to make a career doing music. I don't think I even realized that there isn't the economics of music in any way. By the end of college, this started to shift. So by the end of college, Mm -hmm. I was like, maybe I should consider law. And there were tip-offs because, like, my music teachers were... I just was realizing that they were barely making keeping it afloat despite having really strong careers as musicians right. and some red flags went up. My music teachers were kind of regularly stealing coffee from the cafeteria, which to me was like, oh no, you can't afford the coffee. And that was something that stuck out to me that maybe I should have a sure. career.
1: but why why law? Did you I mean, so you did you did debate in high school. did did you know lawyers? Did you have people like many kids did who, you know, grew up and they were good at speaking or or writing and people said, oh, you're so good at arguing, you should be a lawyer. Did people say that to you? People were like,
0: you can argue. That one didn't really mean that much to me. I didn't really have major figures in my life that were related to law, except for, not major. The figure I thought of growing up of law was a friend of mine's mom who was a divorce lawyer in the town, but was also known as like being one of the most successful people in the town. Hmm. So I guess maybe law always tied to like power and strong and success. didn't have any legal like connections, relationships during the college New York period of my life at all, though. Like, I was, like, surrounded by artists in New York almost exclusively for a while. And then I was serving tables, and then I was surrounded by, like, the restaurant business scene for a while. But, like, the law scene, no. I had guests when I was a server that were lawyers, but that's about it. I, I don't know exactly what made me in the moment be like, maybe let's try law, but It did get in my head to try law, and I started studying for the LSAT. And I studied for a bit, and then did pretty well. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll do law. But I wasn't that convinced. And I applied many years before coming to Northwestern for law school. Got in, got a little Berkeley law shirt that I sometimes throw on every once in a while that's, like, many years old, but didn't go. And then at the time, I wasn't sure if I even really wanted to go to law school. I think I really just wanted to sort of, like, move into a more clearly defined career path at that sure. point because I was worried about graduating from college and spending my life as a server, which I, there was a small period where that was a very realistic fear. So when I decided not to do law school, I was like, well, what, I don't know, what what's, can I do? And I had done some like little bits of teaching here and there, sometimes a little music lesson, sometimes like, tutoring on random subjects. Cause like, so I was like, ah, maybe I'll be an LSAT instructor. What's that like? Uh, and I applied to a few companies, got a few acceptances, and ended up going with Powerscore, which many people who are deciding to go to law school know of for their sure. excellent logic games bibles. <laughs> I remember, uh, I logic remember reasoning that as well bibles, the Bible collection, which I did a very good job of selling for many years. And then I ended up teaching LSAT for the company for like five years in a row in New York, and it was only by the end of that I decided I would hmm. maybe go back and do law. Actually, sort of in the midpoint, I was going to do law school, and then I had a situation that happened that prevented that. So Northwestern actually was like the third bite at the apple, really.
1: So just to get the chronology, you graduate from from college with, with this degree in, in musical performance composition, and then your your plan was I'm gonna I'm gonna wait tables and I'm gonna try to get gigs I'm gonna try to be a musical performer
0: I was I was serving tables from most during most of undergrad too so okay. like it was more like You're I was continuing, continuing that. to yeah. serve my idea following graduation was to try to get gigs which I did a few of um, and maybe work on writing an album which I started to write a bunch of songs for and then I was like. I hate this, and then I tossed it to the side.
1: At some point kind of in that phase, you take the LSAT. So I, I, I'm really interested in, in what you said earlier, which is that you you did apply to law school before, before deciding not to go, um, because I did that too. So I, yeah. I, I was one, basically one year out of school. I think both of us are the same age, but both of us waited a little while to go back to law school after a couple kind of attempts and false, false shots at yeah. it. What that first time where you, you know, it sounds like you you got into some really good schools, why did you decide not to go?
0: The first time, I applied really late, and I didn't realize that had anything to do with it. But like, Berkeley was the only major school I got into that cycle. I got a million wait lists. I got so many wait yeah. lists. And they gave me almost no money. And I was like, well, I wasn't 100% sold on going to law school as is. So I was like, I'm ah. So you're thinking
1: maybe I'll I'll hold out for a better package. I'll have some... If I do this again... Yeah,
0: I thought... I was like... I was also being a little bit... Chrissy about my outcomes, I really, really at the time only wanted like a New York school, like basically only NYU or Columbia, because I was like, I don't want to move. And I also wanted somehow a full ride. And I don't know why I thought I believe I deserved this, but you know, (laughs) that was guiding my mind. And I was like, my only option is Berkeley with like 5,000? No. And so I didn't do that. And then I was like, well, what am I going to do? Because that was kind of my like off ramp that I'd been thinking of a little bit. And I really liked teaching after being requested a ton in PowerScore. Like, I went from being a bit player there to teaching a lot in New York City very rapidly just cool. because I like teaching and I was good at it.
1: It sounds like there's part of you that, you know, you're incredibly successful at teaching LSAT and probably got a lot of joy out of seeing other people succeed. But I, I know I'd be wondering, this is something I want to do myself and and get into great schools and, and maybe go hopefully with a, a nice scholarship in the future. Was that ever a challenging thing to see yourself helping other people do something that, you know, is kind of still a dream for you?
0: No, I, I, I didn't feel negative feelings towards my students, really, in regards to this. I did help put a lot of st- Help assist a lot of students into getting to really great schools, and many times those schools would be better than the schools I got. And many times those numbers that they had were lower than the <laughs> numbers I had, and those I all saw simultaneously. But
1: that didn't grind your gears. I mean, oh, it
0: did not towards them though. So ah, like, to the schools. Uh, yeah, so like, uh, there's a strong like. I, I, I'm a little animated by a little anger at times, like a <laughs> subtle one. And like, this just made me more bitter towards all the schools. I was like, of course you um, elite institutions don't want me. That makes sense. I see through you. Was kind of the way I felt, but it didn't it never impacted my relationship with the students because I just felt like they did deserve to get in. I thought I also did, but they did deserve to get in. <laughs> So
1: what sparked the transition? Because both you and I had a couple of false starts where we applied, didn't end up going for various reasons, and then eventually did. What was it for you that, that solidified it? Was it timing? What was it in your life that made you ready to, to take that leap?
0: So the time that gets me into Northwestern was really the third strong attempt. Yeah. But actually, the second attempt was when I was most like, sure I wanted to go. And I was actually going to go to Cornell. And then I got really ill right after I accepted the offer. So then I thought I wasn't going to go to law school, but because of outside reasons, I have ulcerative colitis. And it happened to sort of like dramatically like i think this was a lesson like i chose cornell they gave me a great package and i felt happy with that option because it was within the new york domain at the time i was like i still only want new york places but i really did not want to be in ithaca i was going to be many hours away from my husband i just kept envisioning him driving alone five hours on icy roads back from ithaca after seeing me for the weekend and then in one of those it's just not working out and suddenly i am a widower so that was a vision that i had in my head which maybe kept me back. But the night after I put a deposit on an apartment in Ithaca to go to Cornell, my husband and I go out to dinner at a Peruvian restaurant we went to a million times, have a lot of sangria, for sure, ate a very big, filling, delicious meal. So we're like, we eat dinner, we go home. I feel mostly fine at first, but then it starts to feel increasingly weird. And then I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go to bed. I wake up in the middle of the night that night at like 2, 3 a.m. and like not going to go into the graphic details, but a lot of blood, blood everywhere. And they thought I had maybe cancer at first. It didn't turn out to be cancer, thankfully, um, but definitely wasn't going to go to law school at and, that moment in yeah. my life. And yeah, so that killed time too, in a big way. This time with Northwestern, I was like, you know what, this is really the last, if this doesn't work out the way it should, if then maybe this is just like life lessons, saying otherwise. I applied pretty broadly, had a pretty good outcome, ended up choosing between UVA and Northwestern in the end. And I think the main thing that drew me here sort of between those was that my husband could potentially get a job in Chicago in a way that I felt like Charlottesville was going to be an uphill battle. And it did end up working out very well. I'm happy that I, out of the options I was given at the time, that I ran with the Northwestern one.
1: Yeah. What, what was 1L like for you? Because I think I coming in, and and I think many others too, had this kind of mythical perception of 1L, that it's this really intense thing where you're, you're working the hardest you've ever worked and you're learning so much, but it's terrifying. Did it feel that way for you? Was it fun? Was it energizing, challenging?
0: So I actually really liked 1L. I thought it was interesting. It was very fresh. It was a very energizing environment for me. And you know what? I... I did pretty well 1L, but I also didn't like let 1L destroy my life. I was having fun. I was going out with friends a lot. I was learning and reading. I was kind of like working hard, playing hard for 1L. And I met some people that I was like, maybe I don't need to meet you, but I met a lot of people that I really did love and that I will, I think will probably be lifelong friends for me. And I felt like I was pushing myself in a way that I really wanted to for a few years. I felt like I had like been sort of stagnating. I was really good at teaching the LSAT and was doing a like good job there, but I wasn't sure what the next stage would be in my life. Yeah. And I liked that I was like self actualizing.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do the the friendships that you've made in law school do they feel? I guess how does it differ from other stages of life? Do you feel like because we're all in this shared experience that friendships are? Maybe deeper in some way, or is it harder because we have less free time and not a whole lot of money?
0: I think weirdly, one L was good for building friendships, despite having not much time, because you're sort of put in a little boiling pot together, and you will have to make friends, or you will not do very well. At least, maybe you'll do well grade wise, but you will not do well happiness wise. Um, <laughs> sure, you should yeah. be thinking about how you can stay happy in law school. On the other hand, I do think there's a lot less time, so I think in like. I've made really good friends that I think I naturally would have made in the legal process. Like, something about law school will make you make some really close friendships. But I also have socialized significantly less over these last three years. Some of that's COVID, sure, but some of that's also just, like law school and that's going to be law school period because i don't have time and it varies like there's kind of a weird cyclical pattern to socializing i feel like in law school where there's a lot more socializing the beginning of every semester of law school it <laughs> sort of like starts to peter a bit by the middle You're and right. by the end you live like in the library a strange <laughs> hobbit that doesn't like to leave their house but also doesn't eat as much or eats too much one of those two you'll find
1: that's in- i hadn't thought of it that way but i, I think that's right in part because of the structure of of Law school classes is so, for me at least, so different from undergrad where you are often doing problem sets or you have homework and things like that. But in law school, it's it just you try to keep up and then there's one big test at the end. And so like, of course, the two weeks before the test or the three weeks or whatever, we're working our butts off and it's a little easier to, yeah. to, to slack at yeah. the beginning of the semester.
0: <laughs> it's even worse in 1L because you start out really like, dumb in the law and the low expectations of ability to read a case or (laughs) understand anything that's happening at the beginning of the semester as compared to where they expect you to be by the end of the first semester in particular is so dramatically different that there's this like rapid acceleration feel to the whole process that does make it feel even more like you don't really have anything. You have lots to do, but nothing really in particular during the beginning. And by the end, you have so much to do and you don't have time to see a human.
1: Did you feel prepared for 1L? Because I, I, I felt like coming in, you know, I, I didn't have any kind of prior experience in law. I wasn't a paralegal. I didn't have lawyers in my family. I, I, I ended up feeling like I knew what I was doing because there were enough people there to kind of handhold. But there was, especially first semester, a lot of nervousness around grades. Am I going to be able to succeed here? Did you have any of that? Did you feel confident that this was the right place for you and you were set up to succeed?
0: I didn't have any background things that were helping me with the law. And I didn't know anyone with it. And a lot of like the basic legal jargon stuff was foreign to me. But I didn't find it particularly hard to like get, get most of that to sound like not an idiot. Quickly enough.
1: Do you feel like you've sort of grown and settled into law school as as it's gone on? Because I, I know for me that that first semester was like, am I good yeah, enough yeah, to be? Yeah, yeah. No,
0: how you do law school that gets a lot easier, I think, over time. And like, it made like by the end, I actually had developed a bunch of like bad habits that were good for getting good grades in a class. Like, <laughs> what are these bad habits? For instance, doctrinals. If you only have one or two in a semester. You don't really need to be working that hard during the semester. Wait until, like, three weeks, four weeks earlier. The cram that they tell you doesn't work, it actually... Well, some people can't cram as well, so that's different. So know yourself. But the cram actually works really well in most of these classes. There are classes where you start studying seven days before, and you'll get what you need to you get an A or A-. And, in fact, there are times when I had classes where I studied the whole semester leading up, and it ended up worse because <laughs> it's really about what you do on the day of. But as for... The stress of grades, I think that that I did have a lot in the beginning of 1L. And I think mostly that was just because of the sort of, like, predicament I was in. Like, I had a good job before law school, but I my move to do law school, which has... I mean, it's, it's a great school, Northwestern, and it was a good package. And, like, I shielded myself from a lot of the downside risks that can happen. But it's a little bit of a financial gambit. Like, I'd given up a good job to, like, have no real job. It's not like I had, All like... Right. My parents... There's no... There's no family or secret power out there coming to save Jeremy if Jeremy messes up. And my worry was that, like, you know, if I did poorly in law school or sufficiently poorly to really, like, screw myself, then I am in danger personally, financially, but also, like, have ruined my husband's life, which was something that I kept thinking about because I'd also brought him out to Chicago. And, like, I really didn't want to... Damaging myself is one thing, but damaging others is sort of different. And so I felt like I needed to do well in one L. Um, it wasn't really even a negotiable question. I had to do well in one L just to make sure that things do not fall off the hand, right? Off the rails.
1: That's interesting. Even if you had sort of that academic confidence that you you could do okay, the stakes were so high. Yeah. That if it didn't if it didn't work out or if you screwed up somehow, then yeah, it I've never be catastrophic. been terribly
0: scared of classes. I like. So that so just like the class aspect, being worried about the school aspect itself was not the scare the fear. It was that like if things went wrong, which I normally even wouldn't care that much about that, but if they went wrong, they would just be like
1: potentially really
0: yeah. uh, cataclysmic. So yeah. I didn't want that, which was a, a nice motivator. It sort of just made it like I had to do well rather than like I'd like to do well.
1: You and I both performed in Follies, the uh, musical comedy show that, that both celebrates and pokes fun at the law school yes. experience. It was definitely one of my favorite experiences in law school Absolutely. as a music performer yourself did it scratch an itch did you did it make you was it any part of it that made you think man i want I want to go back to doing this
0: oh no I mean yes of course i I miss music music's my first love but also like the one thing I will say is I always loved singing and acting so much I didn't necessarily love performing like. I would be just as happy doing all the songs in the in the the show if there was not one person. I just enjoy the process of doing them. And the performing aspect tends to add a bunch of anxiety for me, probably because when you get raised in a musical situation for too long, it's, it's, the music world is very stressful in its own way. Everyone must be perfect at all times. And that sense of perfection sort of pollutes sometimes the performing experience. Sure. At least it did sometimes for me. But Follies was a really like powerful fe- moment for me because it was just like an opportunity to do something fun just for me, not for how it could benefit my career or something like that for the first time in like the three years. Like everything else in law school feels so instrumental and this felt just for pure joy. And it was also a really good way to feel more connected to a school that I, by that point, this last semester had just not loved being and not enjoyed as much and it brought a lot of enjoyment back to Northwestern for me so that was really good. I also got to make friends with people that I don't think I would have had an opportunity to make friends with otherwise Uh, and I actually think that's kind of like if I could give a life recommendation in law school it would be try to connect with people that you might not have given you might not give the quickest first chance to but you are almost definitely missing something in them and so it's worthwhile to take those extra stabs. Uh, and Follies became a really good opportunity for me to meet people that I really otherwise wouldn't have had an opportunity or maybe had discounted a little or counted out a little bit.
1: So d- during law school, you worked as an extern for the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Yes. And so that's the federal agency responsible for enforcing civil rights laws against discrimination in the workplace. What was that experience like? I know that's something that you, you enjoyed a lot.
0: So I'm planning to do labor and employment law after graduation. And was thinking of doing it before the EOC, and the EEOC was like the thing that kind of made me like, yes, I'm gonna do this, because I really enjoyed it. It was probably my single favorite, like, practical or academic experience in law school, because it was the thing that kind of, before I came into law school, a lot of it was, like, very, like, f- I'm just moving into a new career path, I'm trying to make sure we have a good foundation for the family, etc., whatever, but, like, the parts that made me excited to do law school were the things that looked, that you might see on a television like the the trial work the like The doing a deposition, the like ability to orally advocate for others, and I kind of felt like I'd lost that by the point I did the EOC in law school, and sort of felt like I was just going through the motions for what I don't know. But the EOC was really invigorating because I got to watch like a bunch of amazing attorneys be really, really good all the time. I watched so many depositions. I watched more depositions that one semester than I watched in all of the other semesters of law school combined, and they were like. It was so interesting to watch uh, the different styles that existed. It was interesting to watch how someone can sort of like manage a six hour window. Some of these were so long, these depositions, but like a managed six hours so that like by the end they have put the knife into the other party. And like half the time they would start out as sweet as can be. You would have no idea. Yeah, and it yeah. was, and like it was something about like, I think the thing I love about law is the human nature of law. So it was something about like the very human aspect of guiding someone's emotions to pat perhaps off a cliff that they weren't planning to go down
1: and then watching that
0: news form. And that was like exciting. And I was like, I could see myself doing that and being happy doing it rather than like writing a memo every day for the rest of time immemorial, which I don't think I can say the yeah. same for. But I do actually kind of like writing memos, but mm, I don't know.
1: You know what, what you said about feeling kind of prior to that in law school feeling a little disconnected from the the things that excited you about law i think one one thing that i felt is that similarly when i've gotten to do practical work through our clinics here is exactly that we you know we sit in classes and it's important and it has to happen at some level to go through those classes but man that's not what we're here for to sit and learn about a doctrinal we want to like do interesting things with it i, I think that's super cool that you both got to do something like that but also it's the field that you're going into. And so you got some insight into what that might be like.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Practical things are great. Try to do them as much as you can. In fact, what I would say one of the big benefits of Northwestern is just sitting in a city like Chicago means you're going to have a lot more opportunities for practical things than other places that are not yeah. in major cities as such. I think they're really good. I also just like while those are also fantastic i was less enamored with the classroom environment by this point than i had been before that so i think the contrast was also important like i do love a classroom environment where it's like ideas being thrown at the wall people like really engaging in thought i don't know if i got that as much as i was hoping to get yeah. and so the practical work was a lot more enjoyable because it was like okay, so this is actually something that I had been wanting to see when I came here.
1: Yeah. W- one thing that I had heard from lawyers, and, and one of the reasons I hesitated on law school for so many years, I think it was 10 years for me where I was considering it and and was was doing other things and not going to law school, was that I had heard that law school was a trade school. And I wasn't sure yet if I wanted to do the kind of day-to-day kind of practice or, or the, the work that needed to be done to kind of to learn the rules to be able to get to do that. For me personally, I ended up actually really liking that stuff. And, and so I, I came in thinking I would like certain classes and not others. And it was basically flipped. I like the ones where you kind of learn all the rules and stuff. But that that was a huge surprise for me. At the end of the day, do you think law is a trade school? And, and is that a fair way to characterize it.
0: I think it's a trade school that self-consciously thinks it's an intellectual school while never actually reaching that. (laughs) And that's more irritating. You will get a lot of very boiled over ideas given to you at many points. And you're supposed to pretend that they're like, fresh and new and oh my lord who has thought of that before many have so those are also annoying and that's where probably your dislike of the more talky classes comes from because they're even worse actually shockingly <laughs> same i like the talky classes normally some of them were good i had, had a few talky classes that i loved i loved i All shout out to ideas the first amendment and western legal tradition which i love both of those and they were talky classes but for the most part yeah, I liked the hardcore rule ones where it'd just be like, let's do Civ Pro or whatever. Something really dry and straightforward because the talky ones were too simple while thinking they're deep. But the practical were the best of them all because they weren't talky, but they weren't so like just rote learn the rules. They right. would do something, maybe make the world a little bit better, woo, possibly. Uh, and I felt like I was doing that a little bit for a small period.
1: You're headed to a law firm to yes. you know, do employment law work. Um I think many of us are both cautiously optimistic and, and like the firms we're heading to, but are also kind of nervous about yeah. what big law is going to be like. How are you feeling now that it's starting actual work is just a few months away?
0: So, I mean, I'm excited to make money. I think that's a sentiment that guides many. If you're listening to this and like you're just starting law school or haven't started yet, your financial situation, by the time the th- year three is over, you're going to be like, I need an income. It's real, especially if you're in your 30s, my lord. But. I am excited to work for the firm I'm going to be working at. I have been at, I was with them 1L summer, I was with them 2L summer. I stayed because I liked them, didn't have any serious red flags. And I like the practice group I'm working in, the labor and employment team seemed really like both good and normal, which I liked. So I'm excited to learn. I'm excited for the next stage of my life. I'm excited to move into sort of... A new world of being a full-time attorney. We'll see how I feel in like three years, four years, five years. Um, I sc- stopped making like really distant plans a while ago in my life and kind of live with what's going on here. And we'll, we can always revise as we go.
1: Yeah. Do you think about what, you know, the you of 10, 15 years down the line looks like? Or are you Do you think you might want to make partner or go into government? Or do you have a sense of what that looks like?
0: I honestly really don't know. Like, um... I don't see myself doing the partner route, but maybe, maybe, maybe I go to the firm and I'm like, wow, this is me. This is life. I don't know. Possibly. I could see government. I really liked my time at the EOC, so I could see myself going there. I could see myself going in-house. I don't honestly even know what city I'll end up in long term. For now, we're in Chicago. Eh, Maybe we stay in Chicago. Maybe we don't. I don't know. I think this is an interesting difference in me. I spent a lot of my earlier life planning ahead much more. So like the music period, which is sort of like somewhat shocking because musicians don't normally have the availability to plan things. I felt like I was planning my career at that period a lot more, and I just don't really do much of that anymore. Uh, too many rando experiences in one life makes you not feel like that's particularly useful.
1: Very true. If you could go back and talk to your 2018 pre-law school self, what would you, what would you tell him?
0: I would tell me... You're going to do better in law school than you think, but you're going to like it less. And so be ready to be less than thrilled by the experience. Um, I don't know. I, I wouldn't want to break some of my optimism because I think it helped 1L be better, but like I did not find the environment particularly fun. But you know, also, you're gonna make some of your best, f- you're gonna make lifelong friends. I am sure I there are a number of people who I've met in Northwestern that I will be friends with for the rest of my life. I firmly believe this. Um, you are also going to set yourself up, perhaps, for a very strong career. You're not really sure yet at this point, but possibly, quite likely, yes. But when it's done, you're gonna be happy that it was done.
1: Given those both positives and negatives, the challenges and those deep friendships and and the possibility of a great career, do you have any questions about whether it was the right move for you? Would you do it again?
0: That's a great question. As someone who grew up lower middle class at best, the ease with which I will be pole vaulting, and I had a good job before law school, but like the ease with which I'll be sort of like cementing an upper middle class lifestyle is worth considering. And, you know, there are potentially future opportunities available to me that I never would have possibly dreamt of in my life. Like, even just, like, little personal ones. Like, my husband and I would like to maybe have kids at some point. We'd like to maybe get a surrogate. We're also gay. It's usually $100,000. That was not something that was ever going to possibly happen before a career in law. After a few years in law, maybe it will. I don't know. But, like, it is not financially out of the possibility, or not, it's not a financial impossibility. So, I don't know. The other things I'd even consider would be even more work and more time and more, like, like, I always thought it'd be, it's so left field, but... I always loved science, actually, a lot, and, like, would read medical journals just because I can for fun. As my friends might tell you, pre-COVID, I, they all thought I was psychotic, but I was reading too much about COVID and looking at the rate of infection on it just because I like doing things like that, which is why about a month and a half before classes got shut down, I was the one telling everyone, be warned. And everyone thought I was wearing a tinfoil hat, and maybe I was, but the tinfoil hat was correct. <laughs> and to that note, I mean, maybe I would have liked being a doctor, but that's also so many years of... I think I would have liked the way it's a little more clearly helping people, a little less BS. Yeah, (laughs)
1: that's real. Jeremy, thanks so much for your time.